so if you would please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. Good morning. Great to see everyone. I trust you had a great Thanksgiving and uh, enjoyed uh, being with every member of your family. Why the laughter? It's always that one uncle, right? Okay. (laughs) Why is it the uncle? Well, I want you to keep your Bible, please, open there, because we're actually going to look at this a little bit uh, specifically in a couple of these verses. But I actually want to go back a little bit into chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians, uh, because uh, 2 Corinthians 4 starts off, therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore, that's a connecting word between what was just written or spoken into what is going to be written or spoken So let's just go back a little bit into uh, chapter 3, and let's read verses uh, 17 down through chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's good news. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. I mean, that's good. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is a freedom. Some translations would say there's liberty. So because God has revealed himself to us, we are being ever transformed into the image of his son, Christ. We are always being transformed, constantly being transformed. There was a great transformation in our life the day we were born again. And if today you're here and you say, well, what are you talking about being born again? Are you talking about this great transformation? Well, keep listening. I think God's got a word for you today about how you, your life, can be transformed through Christ. 
But in that moment, we were greatly transformed. And yet we're still and constantly being transformed so that we can be a better representative of Christ. That when people see us, they don't really see us, but they see Christ. They see his nature. And they see his glory in the image of Christ and not just us. I'm going to ask you a, a question. Um, I, I presume all of us have been to the doctor at least once, and you kind of trusted that this person uh, was well-educated and well-trained. But what if the University of Georgia developed a new program in its school of medicine where doctors just go to school for 12 weeks, and they are declared doctors, and then they can go out and practice medicine? How many of you would sign up to go see that doctor? <laughs> yeah, you'd be like... I'm going to pass on that one, you know, unless, well, never mind, but you just pass on that one. So what if the University of Georgia had a program that at 12 weeks you can be declared a doctor, but you had a hotline to the university, so this new doctor, he or she, could call up and say, here's the patient, here's the age, here's the symptoms, here's the, here's the deal, here's all the information, what do I do? How many of you would feel a little better about going to that doctor. Yeah, maybe about that much, right? I get it. Because that's risky, isn't it? That's just risky. You have 12 years of schooling, okay, you gotta learn something in 12 years and you gotta pass a test and all that stuff. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna put my confidence in that education and in that person. But 12 weeks and a hotline? That's eh, kinda risky, isn't it? Well, what if God did that? What if God said, hey, listen, you got to go 12 years to school before you can become one of my children? <laughs> what, if he, what if he said, okay, okay, so you're one of my children, but now you got to go through 12 years of Bible training and schooling and, you, and then finally you can go tell somebody about me? That, that doesn't, that's not the way God does it. God says, you came to me, you, 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 you prayed and you asked Christ to be your Savior, accepted, you believe. Now you're one of my children. Okay, right now you are more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. Right now you are an overcomer in Jesus Christ. Right now we as a collective body are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people declaring the glory and the praises of God. That's who we are, and yet we're constantly being transformed into that. He declares who we are right now. And then he says, now I'm going to spend the next 20, 50, 80 years, however long you've got, training you and showing you how to make that a reality in your life. Man, I'm thankful for God. He said, the good work I began in you, I will not stop. I'm going to complete it. Aren't you glad for that? He doesn't give up on us. He, he doesn't go, okay, I'm done. He doesn't say, well, I give up on you. He never does that. He always says, man, we're still working. We're still going. Come on. It's been some ups and downs, been some rough times, but we're still moving. Let's go. And as long as we're saying, yes, Lord, he's going, let's go. And he's moving on with us because we're constantly being transformed into his image, not the image of the church, not the image of the ideas of the church, not the image of a denomination, not the, uh, into Christ, into the image of Christ. He is who we are becoming more and more like. And he does this, and I just want to focus now on uh, verse number 
uh, 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Man, I just love the song that we, that we just sang, Speak the Name of Jesus. Amen? Amen? How many of you do that? Man, there is power in the name of Jesus. The Bible says that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess of those in heaven, of those on the earth, and those beneath the earth. Every tongue is going to confess the name of Jesus Christ, that he is Lord, that he is King, that he is Savior. Man, I'm just thankful that God put me in a position, led me, talked to me, wooed me, if you will, and I've accepted Christ now to where I can declare Jesus is Lord now instead of on a day when it's too late. I'm thankful for that, that we can declare Jesus is Lord, but we can't just stop there. We've got to say, you know, Jesus is Lord over my hang-ups, over my problems, over my frailties, over my, all that I do. Jesus is Lord over my marriage and over my children. Jesus is Lord over my relationships and my friendships. He's Lord over my finances. He's Lord over my relationships everywhere in business. Everything I've got, the Lord, I speak the name of Jesus. We've got some things going on. I speak the name of Jesus because there's power in that name. It's not a, it's not a magic statement. It's not some, it's the word of God. It says there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. Interesting how we just, of course, went through a series on frequency. It's just so cool how Jesus would just speak a word and someone was healed. He wasn't even there in the body, but he spoke a word and they were healed. He spoke a word and things were changed. Interesting. And he says, I'm giving you that power. You can speak the word of God, not the word of Chris Stevens or the word of your name, but the word of God. And there's power in that name. There's power in his word. And it's power to transform. Well, let's talk about three different aspects of that verse number six. He said, the one who spoke and said out of darkness, there be light. He says he is, he is doing this. He's revealing us, illuminating the light of the knowledge of the glory of God seen in the face of Christ. First off is that word light. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you light. I'm giving you a, a revelation, an illumination in which will clarify some things in your life because it is not the illumination or the light of you, but it is the illumination of the light of him. And so God just shines down on us a revelation of him, and he doesn't just do it so that we would become Christians or saved or born again or believers or followers. He does it all of the time so that we can know who he is. And it's that illumination that comes to us. Have you ever had those opportunities when you're reading the Word of God and you're just, I don't know, maybe you're facing a real problem or maybe you're just reading God's Word and then all of a sudden you go, whoa, I've never even read that or I've read that but I didn't read it like that. And all of a sudden it's like a highlight. It just goes, whoom, just hits you. And all of a sudden you go, that's the answer to my problem. That's the direction I needed. Maybe in business, finances, relationships. Wow, thank you, God, for just showing that to me. And he illuminates that to us. And that's what God wants to constantly do, to illuminate for us who he is and how that relates with what we're doing in our lives. I want to do something different. We did this in the first service as well. I want to do something right now in this moment, and that is to say, God, I want us to pray and say, God, I want you to illuminate on my heart in my mind who you are through your word 
through teaching and preaching and worship and songs, but Lord, it's about you and not about me. It's about you. Can we take a moment and just pray that prayer? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, that you're a God of light. And in you, there's no darkness at all. There's no sin. There's no perversion, no deception. You're a God of light. And Lord, thank you that you shine the light of Christ onto our lives. Lord, we're asking that your word be like a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. That in this season, in this December that's coming up and all through 2024, the light of your word would shine brightly. Lord, the illumination, that rhema, that spoken word to us, God, would be the reality that changes everything. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen? Amen. David said that word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 56, 13 says, For you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Jesus said in John 3, 21, Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. And so in 2024, I want us to just get into God's word more than ever before at a deeper level than ever before to say this is God's word to us. This is his word that says, hey, it's going to light your path. It's going to illuminate the, the, the situations that you're in and the resolution to those situations and give you the grace and peace to carry you through those difficulties until they're solved. That word is a light to our path. The Holy Spirit illuminating that truth to us is light. But what is the light for? What is that illumination for? It's for the knowledge of the glory of God. God wants to fill us with knowledge. Not the knowledge of, like I said, a denomination or this or that. But the knowledge of himself. That we would know more and more God and who he is and what he's about, and what he wants. It is an illumination of knowledge. God, I want to know you more. You know what I love about uh, Hope Crossings? Is uh, we have just the, the, the total spectrum of ages at Hope Crossings. We're not a young church. We're not an old church. We got it all. We got every age. And what I love to see is, well, you know, now anyone older than me is just older. Right? I'll never be older. But there are some people that are older. Well, I just love the fact that our seniors are bringing their Bibles to church. They're reading the Word. You look at their, their Bibles, and they got marked up, and they got pen marks and highlights, and they're torn pages, and it's dirty. And Because why? They're just saying, I, this isn't my book Bible when I was 20. This is my Bible right, right now. I'm still studying the Word of God now. Because I still am learning and growing because I want to know more about who God is. You cannot know everything there is to know about God in this spectrum of time. So, well, I went to Bible college. Well, yeah, okay, great. But we got to know God just more and more and more and more. Now, we live in America, right? Well, it was a little bit of time ago when America was discovered. And wow, how hasn't it changed, right? I mean, you just go back and you try and imagine what it was like then. It's pretty hard. But even if you just go back 100 years ago, 
Look at all the knowledge that has increased over just the last 100 years. Just 100 year time period. All the knowledge that has been gained and increased. And in the same way, we can't just get to the place where we go, I know enough. I'm good. I don't really need to study anymore. I, I know God well enough. I, I mean, I'm going to heaven. That's good. And I've, I've got some knowledge of God. So I'm good. That is never a good plan. But to say, God, I want to know you more. Because, God, you've got more things you want me to do. You've got more places you want me to go. More things you want me to do in ministry. And that's what we read there in chapter 4, verse 1, that God has given us a ministry. And so he's saying, I, I, we can't just go on the manna of today. We've got to say, God, tomorrow I need some fresh manna. I need a fresh word from you. And so, God, I want to know you more. I want to know you more. So maybe there's been, been a time period when you've just been kind of stagnant or a little stale in your relationship with Christ and your study of God's word and your increasing knowledge of God. Well, it's time to just get a, get a relaunch, get, a, get, a, get a, a remodel and go, okay, I'm going to start again. I'm going to go fresh. It was uh, several years ago. I was still in the uh, process of painting houses. For you don't know, Some of you don't know I used to paint houses, and that's what I was doing when we started Hope Crossings. You know, the kids wanted to eat, so I had to do something. You know? <laughs> Tried to get them to fast for 10 years, but they didn't like that. So I was painting houses, and, and Margaret Phillips called me up one day, and she was the operator at the Chick-fil-A in Commerce, and uh, she said, I've got something that I want you to think about. And she, she had purchased a home that was a house that was over 100 years old here in Jefferson. And she said, I'm going to remodel it, and I want you to paint it. And it was like, whoa. So I went in there, and like, wow, this is a really cool house. And it was big, and it just tall ceilings and big doors and all that stuff. And so it was quite an experience to go there, you know, day after day. And just, I don't know about you, but when I'm in that kind of situation, I just think back, who built this house? Why did they build this house? What were they doing? What was it like? You know, think about it. It's, it's over 100 years old. It was built, if, if, I'm, if my memory serves me correctly, it was built like right around World War I. I think it was right before World War I. And I just thought, I wonder if the people living here knew anyone fighting in, in, over in Europe. And of course, then it went through World War II and Korea, all of them. Went through presidents, how many presidents. And I guess to thinking about the people who lived here. And, and there was a wedding there. Some, one year they had a wedding there right there in the living room. I thought, man, this is cool. But the house in that moment when I was there, was not in good shape. It just, life happened. And it was a joy to be able to be a part of something that was just getting remodeled so that it would be brought back to at least somewhat of its former glory. And maybe today you're sitting there going like, well, you know, I'm just... There's so much to do for me to get going again. And no, you're here today, which is proof positive. You're like, I want to move. I want to grow. I want to do something. And God says, I want to pour out onto you more and greater knowledge of who I am. I want to remodel who you are. I want to remodel your relationships so that they better resemble the glory of God in the face of Jesus so that this community can be transformed because of what I'm doing in you and through you. It comes through the knowledge of God. 
That knowledge that can come only from him and is always about him. See, sometimes we get caught up into, and I think of the church today in America is, is a little bit caught up into what we call navel gazing, if you know what that means. Navel gazing just kind of means you're just always looking at yourself. You just, you just always, you just always, it's all about me. Where's the mirror? I gotta, it's all about me. How do I look? How do I look back there? It's all about me. And if we're not careful, we begin to think that even in Christ, it's just all about me. It's just, it's me. I'm the one that's important here. God died on the cross for me, therefore I'm so important. Well, yes, exactly. He died on the cross for you, and you are important. But what is primary is for us to know more about God, and secondary for us to know more about ourselves. And if we get those two out of order, we're in trouble. Because we're going to go off the rails. God is saying the knowledge that he gives us is about him and then about us. And then about others and how we minister to them. God says, I want to pour out my spirit on you and give you the knowledge of myself first and then the knowledge of yourself. If we know God, then we'll begin to know who we are in Christ. Because we are overcomers, but it's in Christ. We're, we are more than conquerors, but it's in Christ. We're healed in Christ. We're strong in Christ. We have power in Christ. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And so we've got to know more about him and then us secondary. The last thing we see there is about the glory. The glory. And we talk about the glory of God, that word glory most of the time in the Bible means a, a, a weightiness, it's a weight. It's, it's the weight of God and who he is. That's why the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That fear is the, the, the awe of the magnitude of God, the weight of his holiness. Isaiah got a picture of that. Remember Isaiah chapter 6? He said, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, and he was seated on his throne. He was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Then he began to describe the seraphim that were flying around with six wings, and it was just a tremendous picture. You could just see the glory of God, and as you read that and you, you really just take it in, you feel the, the weight of the glory of God as Isaiah finds himself in this Vision, this situation where he's in the presence of God. And you know what he says? He says, oh, woe is me for I am undone. He sees the glory of God and he goes, I don't, I don't match this. It's, it's almost like he's saying, I don't belong here because I don't match He says, I dwell in a people with unclean lips. And that's when the angel came over and beautiful imagery takes a, the tongs and he grabs a coal from the altar and he touches Isaiah's lips and says, now you're clean, now you're, you're okay. And then the word comes out and he says, who, who, will, who can we go, who can we send to go for us? And Isaiah says, I'll go. Man, what happens when we're in the presence of God, we see the, the imagery and we feel the weight of his presence. 
And we feel very undone, and yet God has a remedy for that. It is the forgiveness that he offers to anyone who says, God, I need your help. I need your help. And God is so powerful to come and just eradicate our sin. Man, I love that. He just eradicates our sin. And he makes us clean. No matter what I do, I cannot make myself clean. You cannot make yourself clean. We cannot come into a a goodness that can be in his presence. But he brings us to that point. He cleanses us. He forgives us. He empowers us so we can stand in his presence. And we see that glory. We see the glory of God in Christ. We see his glory even as he is tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and yet never sinned. We see his glory as he speaks the word of God and says, Behold, the kingdom of God has come near to you. We see his glory as he confronts the Pharisees who were rebelling against God. We see his glory as he touches the prostitute or the, the, I would say, the drug addict, the alcoholic. We see how he touches those who are just down and out but know they need help. He comes along and says, I am your help. And we see his glory as he touches people and heals them of incurable diseases or, or crippling debilities that they were born with. He opens blind eyes, opens the ears. He gets people whose legs have never worked and he says, get up and walk. And they do. We see his glory. But more than anything else, we see his glory when he's taking the stripes on his back for our healing. The Bible says the stripes he bore on his back were for our healing and we are healed by those stripes. We see his glory as he's hanging on a cross, paying the price for your sin and my sin and the sin of the whole world. We see his glory even in a tomb, experiencing what we put on him. It was our death that he took on himself. It was our sin, and he went into that grave. He didn't faint. He didn't just kind of lose it for a little bit. He was dead. And he went into that tomb. And, but we see his glory three days later when the Holy Spirit of God raised him from the dead and he ascended back into heaven. Man, we see his glory and the weight of that majesty. How the Spirit of God just came into his body and raised Jesus from the dead. We see his glory. And we see his glory as he's seated at the right hand of God, ever making intercession for the saints according to the blood that he shed. John, the Apostle John, saw that in Revelation 21. He records it. He said, I saw a new heaven and a, first, and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. He said, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And they will be his people, and God himself will be their God. And God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. For there shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, for the former things have passed away. And he said, Behold, I make all things new. That's the glory of God that we see. The glory of God. And that's what God is transforming us to be able to see, is his glory. In the face of Christ. When we learn more about Christ, learning more about ourselves will take care of itself. When we learn more about God, 
then we won't have to study us because we'll know us. And we will know that in Christ, we are all he's declared us to be. You might be saying, well, you know, that sounds great, but you don't know what I deal with. You don't know my hang-ups and my problems and my difficulties and my blah, 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 blah. You don't get it. You're right, I don't. I don't know it. I don't know what your life's all about. You're right. But he does. He does. I have a piece of paper at home that my father gave me. Just a regular piece of paper. But it is one of the most valuable pieces of paper that I own. And I've had it for, I don't know, maybe uh, seven or eight years now. On this piece of paper are some, is, a, is a small letter. It's only about a half a page long. But it was typed by my father's father when he was a teenager. My father's father, I never met him. He passed away before I was born. But my father's father always wanted to be a printer, like the old style, not a copy machine. The old stuff, okay, with the press that does that, you know, which I've actually used one of those before. Because he did become a printer, and then he died, and my father took over that printing company, and that's a whole other story. Back to the piece of paper. My grandfather, while dating this woman named Claire Pinson, wanted to type a letter to her, and he had never used a typewriter. He got a piece of paper, he put it in the typewriter, and he began to type. He said, hey, how are you today? I'm doing fine. I'm sure you're well. And hey, this is the first time I've ever used a typewriter. How am I doing? And then he talks about aunt so-and-so, and they are doing this, and they're doing that. And then he said, oh, we just got back from church. And then he came back later and typed some more. It's about a half a page. And evidently, he pulled the paper out of the typewriter, and then he read it. And he had maybe a third or fourth grade education. But as he's reading the letter that he's about to send to his girlfriend, he recognizes there's some mistakes. And so he's like, oh, what do I do now? He takes that piece of paper, he turns it sideways, and he puts it back into the typewriter. So then across in the margin, he types this little statement. He said, take all mistakes as kisses. Yeah, all the women go, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I have that piece of paper. It's over 100 years old. He probably typed it in about 1916. I wonder if we could say that to God. God, I'm following you. I'm, I love you. I'm going for it. And because I'm going for it, I make mistakes. But God, could you count them as a kiss? Could you count them as a hug? Could you count them as a high five? Something. And I think God's going like, yeah, I already have. No problem. You don't have to tell me to do that. I think he says, man, you're going for it. You're going to make mistakes. You're going for it. But that's the way we learn. That's one of the ways we learn. And we're moving ahead. I don't want to become stagnated in a place where I go, I know how to do this now. I don't make any more mistakes. That's horrible. Don't ever get stuck in a place where you're comfortable, but move forward and get busy making some mistakes. Listen, if you're not making mistakes, you're not making anything. 
That's one of our mottos here at Hope Crossings. If you're not making mistakes, you're, you, then you're not walking by faith. You're not moving forward. I'm not saying it's filled with mistakes. I'm just saying there's going to be some stuff. But God looks at that and goes, man, I love that. You're moving forward. Let's go. All right. This is beautiful. Because he says, we're moving forward through light to gain knowledge of God's glory. And that next verse says, he's put all of this treasure in jars of clay. Some, some versions may say earthen vessels. That's us. That's us that make mistakes. That's us that have, we have some hang-ups. And we've got some difficulties. And we're not sure how to do this. And we're kind of puzzled on that. And we're just horrible at this. We've all got that. And God says, I'm putting the treasure of the Spirit of God, God Himself, and putting the treasure into a jar that's made of clay. It's earthen. It, it can crack, it can fracture, it can chip. He says, I'm doing that by design because even through your frailties and your mistakes, the glory of God shines because it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about Him showing the glory of God to this community through you and I. And man, when that begins to happen, there's no telling what's going to happen to this community. But it comes in His presence. Lord, I want to be in your presence to have that light shine on me so that I can know you more. I can know the glory of God and be in your presence and be totally and completely transformed. Amen.